In this week's episode of the Keep It Uplifting Podcast, we have Kyle Murphy, who has spent the last 20 plus years of his life devoting his time, energy, and focus to the fire department to build himself up to a chief. And now in the last two years, has taken a leap of faith and has built a real estate company and empire, KMX Homebuyers. And he's joining the show to tell us all how we did it. Enjoy this episode. Kyle. Let me change that. What what is the best thing that has happened to you in your business in the last six months? Hmm. My network continues to grow. Hmm. Have you always have you always been a popular guy? No, I've always been a huge dork nerd. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, I was really nerdy. Uh, like was into horses, um, and doing like roping and you know some of the stuff. With that, <clears throat> nobody else really did it in my school. Uh-huh. So I was like that guy. So you grew up rich? No. Okay. Well, how'd you, how how were you around horses, right? Horses aren't cheap. Oh, well, I didn't buy them. Uh, my dad did. Uh, but we we weren't hurting, uh-huh. right? But um, we were, uh, we were, yeah, I mean, we we really weren't hurting, but it was because my dad woke up at four o'clock, four thirty in the morning, and he was gone, you know, by five or five thirty. Wow! And he didn't come home until five or five thirty. Really? Every day. Every day. Every day. Well, I mean, Monday through Friday. Right, right, right. Um, and that was, you know, that was my first probably twenty years. What? So did you take on that type of hard work mentality from your dad? Did he push that on you guys? Uh, no, he didn't push it. Um, but I think <clears throat> he taught me values of work. Um, and he taught me values of like, uh, appreciate your work, but that there are things that have to come before me. Huh. So I had, I had a couple jobs where I was the youngest of three kids and my job was to take out the trash and water the horses, or water the, the animals. And <clears throat> if I didn't take out the trash, I found out about it. <laughs> um, and then if I didn't water the animals, I had to water them in the morning and water them in after, you know, after school. Right. And, um, and then I think at night. Um, but it was, the, it was the first thing that we did because the animals couldn't take care of themselves. So um, I could go get water whenever I wanted. And every week or so I had to dump in the summer times, we had to dump out the, uh, the, the troughs, clean them out, get all the algae out. Yeah. If I didn't do that, it was obvious that I didn't do that. And, uh, it was obvious that my dad didn't like me not doing that when I had to drink the algae water once. Um, but <clears throat> you know, it was like, it, it was taught to me, like those things can't take care of themselves. Right. They rely on you. You can go and get whatever you want, but you need to take care of them. Oh. And that's the first thing. So um, and it was every morning we had to go out and break ice in the winter time. Um, 
And then in the, in the evenings we had to go do it again, take care of all them. So like growing up, not, you know, we didn't have PlayStation back then, obviously, but, um, not, not doing what I wanted to do until things had to get done. Yeah. Um, so he taught me that and it didn't click in me until, I don't know, probably the end of my, uh, childhood life. Like maybe he didn't make this out to be a story time, but it was like, okay, now things are starting to click. Right. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've always worked, um, when I was like 15, 15 or 16, I had three jobs. Um, no, no, just lied. Um, I think when I was 17, I think I had three jobs in high school. So you became Jamaica. Yeah. Kind of hustling. (laughs) Um, it was, uh, you know, two grocery stores and then I worked at a cabinet company for a while. Um, why so many jobs? So they would only give you a certain amount of hours which to me, that was only a certain amount of dollars. Right. So then if I only worked Monday, Wednesday, Friday over here at this grocery store, I could do Tuesday and Thursday, Saturday at this grocery store huh. um, or, you know, whatever days. So they offset each other. Um, so I could do what I wanted to do. Huh. So that level of responsibility before you could go and do what you wanted to do, do you think that drove you to the career path that you're in now? <sighs> Which career? The fire department or? Yes. No. Nope. Um, I don't know where the fire department came came from. I have an uncle that was a fireman. Um, and like, I, I always remember seeing him and being at all with, you know, his job. And we had a neighbor a couple houses down when I was growing up that was a fireman. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, he was volunteer. My uncle was paid. And the volunteer guy, he would run down the road that we lived on, dirt road, uh-huh. and he'd go like 50 miles an hour and he'd lose his hubcaps. But I'd see this little light on top of his car and I'm like, that's gnarly. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was before social media. All I saw in the fire department world was this guy running down the road. And uh, and I, ever since then, probably four or five years old, I wanted to do to be a fireman. And, um, you know, that for some reason was stuck in my head that that's what I was going to do. And, um, I joined the fire department at 14 as a volunteer, uh, obviously. And, um, you know, I just soaked it up. I ended up pretty much living there every summer between school. Yeah. Um, you know, I would do training. I would wash the hell out of a fire truck, like anything that they needed to do, I would do. Right. Um, but like that was the other part of growing up with me was growing up in the firehouse where, um, again, there's other things that's more important than you mm. that need to get done. And, um, you know, that was when I got into that field, I was like, this is where I'm going to stay. Right. This is where I want to be. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't the money. No, cause that was free. I was, I was <laughs> right. I was free then. Cause I wanted to be a fireman until I realized that it was, you know, 35,000 oh, yeah. a year or whatever the, the cost was. But you seem to have gotten in there. You did everything that was required of you. You did it for free. And then obviously that was your career path. 
going up a level and up a level and up a level. How did you do that? Like, what was that? What was that? Uh, what was the thought process behind improving in the ranks? So I never, two things I never saw me as being uh, retired from the fire department and not working and a, a chief in the fire department. <laughs> and uh, I saw, it's kind of awkward now, but um, <clears throat> I always, always, always was wanting to train and do the next thing. Right. And I never wanted there to be something that somebody else could do that I couldn't do. So if I saw somebody do that over there and it looked pretty gnarly, I was going to figure out how to do that. <laughs> and whether it was walk on water, hang from a rope, whatever right. it was, <laughs> right. I was going to figure out how to do that. Right. <clears throat> and, um, and then, um, you know, that one thing led to another. I just, I, I got picked up by this fire department that I'm at now when I was 21 and, um, I actually had, <clears throat> uh, I was in a process of a couple other departments, Richmond, Henrico, um, you know, out in, in Virginia. And, um, so I was like, you know what, these guys gave me a shot. It's just, it's a really young department and it was all EMS at the time. And I was like, they, they can't, the volunteers that are here can't be around forever. So we'll just kind of hang out here for a little while and see what, what happens. And uh, that's what I did. And um, 18, almost 19 years later, here I am. Wow. So there's a a feeling of uh, you're too old to do certain things, Mm -hmm. but somehow you've worked your way up to where you are, your chief. And I'm sure you've seen some things, right, that probably made you take a different look at life as far as fires go. But you know, you start to feel like you're too old to maybe make a certain amount of money or maybe, you know, go and chase these certain dreams that people have. But you seem to be a young, vibrant guy when it comes to chasing your dreams. Have you just always been like that as far as, you know, things outside of work? Like, okay, I can work all of these hours here because the shifts are crazy, right? For firemen, mm-hmm. right? Like you're three days on and four days off or something. Yeah. I mean, we work out of five days. We'll work three of those days. Right. And then uh, the two in between days were off, but really the two in between days were kind of like recovery days from the first day. Right. Um, and then we get four days off. So the shifts are pretty gnarly. I like it. But when did you start looking, when did you get that itch to say, Hey, I could do more. And there's more out there for me and let me go after it. I don't, I don't know if I can say like, this is, this is when I feel like, um, when did you feel like you were broke? When I was, broke. No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause I feel like that's when it. <laughs> I woke up this morning. Cause I didn't wake up on an Island or on a ship. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, so I've always felt like I wanted to do what somebody else could do. Like, I didn't want there to be anything that somebody else couldn't do. Right. But in the last few years, I've really learned to leverage 
what others can do because it saves my time to do what I'm good at doing. Right. Instead of me being like a jack of all trades and really a master of none, I can be a master of my trade and then I can use you to be a master of your trade right? and use that person to be a master of their trade. And then with all of that together, there's really nothing that we can't do then. So <clears throat> when I was a lieutenant on, uh, on an engine, it was like the biggest, most important thing to me was who is riding with me right. and how can I make my team be ready for anything we can do. And, um, and I feel like we did really good at that. And you know, the, the term, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. Man, I squeaked the hell out of <laughs> stuff. Like I was always that guy to my chiefs to be like, mm, I don't like this guy working with me because he isn't good at this. Right. Um, I'm not good at that. So I need somebody who's good at that. Okay. And, um, and so they, they allowed me, they got annoyed enough by me to just listen to, to what I'm asking for. And they always, uh, all right, whatever you want, whatever, right. just do it. Right. And, uh, so I always had guys on my company that really like, there was not anything that we couldn't do. We did some really stupid stuff. Um, some like as a chief looking back now, I'm like, golly, I hope that doesn't get out. <laughs> but we did some, some pretty gnarly stuff too. Right. And it was mostly, um, you know, those guys are just doing what they're doing. Right. And I'm just kind of sitting back watching them do it. And that's, that's really like, I learned over the last couple of years, handful of years, probably eight or nine years that I really can't be the one that has to do everything. So when I would see that guy doing something that, that was really gnarly, then I learned to say, let's let that guy do really gnarly, but let's figure out how to get him on our team. Right. Like on our company or on our shift or whatever it is. And then, uh, and then now he's doing his really gnarly stuff with us hmm. instead of me learning everything. Okay. There's a very finite, <clears throat> in, in my life, in my head, there's a very finite amount of stuff that I can put in this and I can do every day. But if I can just leverage what everybody else has, then I can do anything I want. If I want to go buy a cruise ship, if I want to hang off a building, I'm not going to do that anymore. But if I, you know, if I if it needed to get done, right? Like we had a call the other day, they did some really gnarly stuff. Um, you know, a guy got all tangled up in a fence, broken all up, crazy as hell. Um, so they, you know. I don't think they sedated the guy, but they, you know, pushed a lot of drugs, meds, and um, got him untangled from this this fence. He was, I think they said, like four or five foot away from like a forty foot retaining wall. Yeah, they're up on top of that, and they're in the woods up on top of that, which is they had a lot of access issues to get down from the high side to get down to where this guy was. Um, so we had one of our guys who, you know, this whole company is really training a lot of special gnarly stuff. They ended up rigging this guy up, lifting him up, working with the crew that was up there with him, throwing him in this basket, lifting him up, bringing him back down. <clears throat> 10, 15 years ago, I'd have been like, I want to do that. Everybody else sit back. Let me do that. But now I'm like, we just did all that. Like, it wasn't me. Yeah. I literally was 
on the call there, if you pull up the CAD, the you know information, I was just there. I wasn't even in charge of it. I was just kind of talking to people, fist dabbing, high fives. Uh, they all did everything just like it was supposed to be done. So how did you go from how did you go from telling people to what, what to do to telling your money what to do as far as you moving into real estate? Um, what was that? That's the, the more, more so the question I'm trying to ask you is what was the mindset shift there was I need to start making my money work for me. So when Christina paid off everything, uh-huh. We we were, we were making pretty decent money, right? I was like, "Well, oh, she paid off everything. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what you get a good partner for." Yeah, stripper money. Let's give that a round of applause. <laughs> you had the headphones on, but we go. <laughs> You'll hear it when you play it back. <laughs> she worked for a year or two and paid down all of our debt. Um, and I'm not crying. What's that? I'm not crying. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Other than our primary house. How'd you, how'd you convince, how'd you work that out? Was it like you just sat her down at the table? I spend about, I spend at least at a very minimum, a third of the year away from her mm-hmm. at the firehouse. Mm-hmm. Of the two thirds that are left, um, that we're together, we're sleeping probably a third of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other two thirds of that time, I'm probably trying to figure out how we can spend that money. So what she did <laughs> was she took the third of that time that I was away. And she figured out how to pay everything down. And she's got some weird stuff in her head to figure out, like, if I pay this much on this one, I can move this account to this account and pay zero interest. And then I can use this account for this and pay zero interest. Wow. And then just knock all the stuff down. Wow. So honestly, there was no lifestyle difference. So we should have Christina on the pod. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, but again, it was like, hey, this is a goal of ours right. together. And if she understands what she's doing, right, I'm not going to get in the middle of it. I got on her spreadsheet one day and it you can ask my kids it wasn't a good deal to do um and i don't think i've been on there really to mess with anything since then because i know she's kind of crazy <laughs> um but yeah i mean i i didn't do you know, like i can't take the credit of i i did this right. as far as paying everything off right but then when i started seeing what was coming down the pike i was like okay all right like i've always wanted to get into real estate um, because of my brother and what he does, he's an appraiser, has a bunch of investments. And I'm like, all right, well, I spent eight years in training on day work and I couldn't focus on anything but the mission during those eight years, like the, the assignments of hiring people, promoting people, getting people through classes. Like it was all like, I just, uh, lived to make that organization better um, with the people that were there. And so there, there, I knew at that time there wasn't anything that we were going to do investment wise because my, my mind was elsewhere. Uh-huh. Uh, we did have an investment property. Um, we turned over to investment at 2014 uh, as our primary residence. And then uh, we ended up renting that out. 
Nice. Um, I know what that's like when it works, at least. It has worked really well, <laughs> um, actually. <laughs> but, um, you know, there were, we, we go through those eight years, and she's, you know, actually just in the last couple of years, she starts nailing the debt away. And we bought a bunch of dumb stuff. I bought new cars, campers. I don't think we ever bought a boat. We used to have jet ski or yeah, jet ski, like just a bunch of crap we didn't need. Yeah. And she got us. You out need of that jet hole. skis. Oh yeah. Now yeah. I definitely do. Yeah. You need jet skis. I want a jet ski that sits on the back of a boat <laughs> because that means I have to have a boat that'll hold a jet ski and yeah. then people to bring me. Your mama, your mama. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so the the saying that behind every man is a is a is a great woman is really true. That's how you got into this, right? Behind every man, there's a, a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no cracking 100%, 100%, a whip. <laughs> crazy as hell, but yeah. 100%. Uh, okay, okay. So during during that time that she was um, paying down the debt, what were you doing as far as your due diligence to be ready when the debt was gone? Nothing. You just ready to go. Just I was just, um, just working there. <laughs> just bringing in, you know, money for her to shit right. out. And I was like, just stop paying bills. We have plenty of money. <laughs> so then one day you just go and buy your first your first additional investment property. So I knew that we wanted to do. I knew that we wanted to do something with, um. With real estate. Okay. Um, I got out of the training division, got back on shift work where I'm only working, you know, a handful of days a year, a uh, month. Um, and I was like, all right, I got all this time. I spent about a year um, really like reading a lot of books, watching a bunch of podcasts, videos, YouTube videos, um, and talking to, to some people that I trusted about investing. Okay. And then uh, that during that year, I was really focused also on this new shift I had just taken over and getting them to where um, to meet the expectations that were given to me from my boss. So um, there wasn't a whole lot of changes. There were some there were some things that my boss didn't like. We just and we were coming out of COVID. Yeah, it was 2020. Okay, so there's a really weird thing there. Um, but then. Uh, I started networking with some wholesalers and um and I was like, all right, well the first one uh was a duplex. The first offer I made I think was a duplex. Why did you choose that? That was it, it was just uh from everything I saw on YouTube. Okay. It's just oh, this meets everything right here. So right. let's do it. What what was that criteria? I have no <laughs> We didn't even get it. That was you the did. thing. We, we were going through everything, got the offer, everything was accepted. Um, but it was in a it was a single family house that they had converted into a duplex, mm-hmm. and a single family house neighborhood that they would not allow duplexes. Okay. And so uh, we ended up the wholesaler uh, company ended up canceling the contract because they weren't going to be able to fulfill hmm. the deal. So. <laughs> How many books did you do you think you read over that year and podcasts you listened to? And were there any particular podcasts that 
You said these. this is the one that's going to help me figure out how to get the best deals possible. How many books? Roughly. I don't know. Maybe. Were they all on real estate or were they on mindset? How about that? Mindset. I've, I've, I haven't always been a reader, but for the last 15 or so years, I've really like gotten a lot from reading. Mm. Um, and I really gravitate and am interested in like the military leadership and how they do their leadership. Like Tom Clancy type of books or Jocko um, Willink? No, like uh, Jocko Willink, um, David Goggins. Um, you know, he's his is like huge mindset, but Jocko's is that whole sh- uh, package that he's got is all leadership. Um, and so <clears throat> uh, we worked where I work. We're right outside of one of the big military bases, and it's uh, well, it's Quantico, and they do. OCS school there, officer candidate school. So every officer that comes through the Marines or is that is a officer in Marines goes through that school in Quantico. So, and they teach leadership and they pound it into you. So we had some resources right there that we were able to, while I was in training, integrate into our training programs. And we hired some of those guys as firemen and they came in with like such a breath of fresh air and was like, hey, this is this is leadership one hundred and one for us. Like you guys are doing it all wrong, and um, so that really helped out. And then that steered me into like the Jocko area, okay. um, the tactical leadership and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I, I I've got a handful of these books right here, like Tim Ferriss's book, um, all of uh, Robert Kay's book, um, books. So, and I would say the one that really probably did the, was a tipping point for me was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Learning, um, learning that, the, the, the value of money and, you know, in my head. Do you still value money the same or? No, or no, do you? I, don't, I don't, I honestly, what I was just going to say was in, in my head, I don't even look at money as the same way I looked at it 15 years ago. Cause 15 years ago I was like. I'd be lying to you if I said we need to save every penny we make. <laughs> that was definitely not me. Um, but you know, we were under um, like, hey, don't spend like, don't spend any money, don't waste any money. We need to save it, right? Put it in savings. And now I'm like, don't put it in savings. <laughs> yeah, that's, that money's not working. Yeah, right. So now, to me, money is no, absolutely no different than a hammer and a nail. Mm. It's just a tool. Right. Um, and as soon as you can figure out that money is not as important as what was pounded in your head growing up, then, then you learn that you can do money, you know, you can do stuff with money. Right. And it's not about, it's not about buying that plant. It's about, um, Hey, look, if I give you a hundred thousand dollars to go do a project of your own, I'm going to make, you know, 10 grand on that. Right. Right. Um, and by the way, that hundred that I'm going to give you, I'm going to borrow from somebody else. I'm going to pay them six grand on it. Now I'm making four grand sitting on my fat ass. How'd you, how'd you figure that out? Right. Cause you talk about your leadership skills and how they were naturally cultivated after a while being a, being a fire chief, being a leadership 
and noticing that other people could be specialists in these different areas. And you could just say, well, we'll bring this guy on. So how did you get to the networking portion of real estate to where you can go and talk to this guy who got some money and make a deal with this guy who can work some leads for you. And now you just broker the deal. So you get a piece of the pie. How did I get there, man? I don't know. To be honest with you, I think things just fell in place. My brother has been the, my brother has been the biggest supporter of my investing career. Okay. Um, you know, he, he has, he has always been like, Hey, um, come to this meeting, him and his wife. Hey, come to this meeting or, Hey, we want to introduce you to these people here. We want to introduce you to them. And by introducing to those people and then me just kind of piecing some things together and figuring out what's working and what's not working. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it just works, right? It's just, right. I don't think I read a book. I don't think I can put my finger on a book or point at one particular instance. I think it's just a lot of, um, everything's kind of come together and now it's just like a light bulb has clicked. Yeah. Were you ever scared? Have you met Christina? <laughs> I mean, outside of your house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am scared. Um, I am scared to, um, let down somebody who lends me money mm. because if they are, if they have enough confidence and trust in me, right. it has nothing to do with money. It's got everything to do with me. And if I let them down, then I have let them down on a personal level. I don't have people that call and say, hey, I'm Joe Bob. Nice to meet you. I'd like to lend you money. I have people that I know that are either from the fire department or just friends that we are, you know, we know that say, hey, um, you know, I like what you're doing. I like, I like what I see and I want to talk to you and give you some money to invest with. Um, and that's a relationship that is more valuable to me than it is any money that I could use or make mm -hmm. off of their money because they're giving me money and they're trusting me with their money. That is from a retirement account that they've worked for 50 years or they sold their house and now they've got a couple hundred grand well, they paid for the last 15 years on that house. Like the market helped them out, but they're going to trust me with that money. Um, so the last thing I want to do is really lose somebody else's money. And it scares me to lose their, their confidence in me versus their money. Hmm. Um, you know, we're in a deal right now with a contractor um, where we've partnered and we have a, we have a, a, a heavier percentage of the profit. Mm -hmm. But I've told him, like, hey, if this if something happens here, we find something in this deal in this house that we have to put extra money in, or right. the backyard, which is horrible, um, and it costs a lot more money than at the closing table after everything is done. I'll make sure that you're right because I've got a full time job. Right, Christina has a full time job. We make pretty decent money together. I'm not using that the investment money to do anything other than buy more investments. So if 
I need to slow that down for one deal and make sure that this other guy profits and his, his business is good. Mm -hmm. Then it's more, it's more important for me that that happens um, than me walking away with 10 grand. Um, Because at the end of the day, that's not, that 10 grand is not going to do me any good. Right. If I can't use this contractor anymore for the next 10 deals. And I think that's just part of your nature, right? You naturally, since you've been younger been taking care of, everyone else before you take care of yourself. So I think you have a natural, uh, a, a natural inclination to just care for people outside of you before you take care of you. And I can see that in your business acumen. That's what I'm saying. But my question to you with that is how much does it take to get invested with Kyle? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, it's, well, what uh, number do you start at? That's what I'm saying. Like for potential for for potential people who want to work with you since they may have listened to the pod and they say, oh, well, who's that guy? Like, what do I need to work with him so that we could both make some money? I got uh, extra 40, 50,000, 100,000. Like what what does the number start at? So there there really isn't like um, I've never I've never thought about a money like a, an amount. Um the way I think about it, if somebody says, Hey, I've got X amount of dollars that I want to invest. Uh, I don't, I don't touch that. Like it doesn't come to me. What right. I'll say is, okay, well, let's, I have this deal over here. Okay. So let's, um, let's look into this together and let's make sure it's good. And then if it is, if you want to invest in this deal, then we can partner on it. And then, um, you know, if it's 50,000, then, Maybe we use that money for the rehab. Okay. And uh, usually if it's for the acquisition, then we just wire the money over to the title agency from their bank account to the title. So I don't touch any of that. Okay. And then we put them on, um, uh, you know, his first position, second position, depending on how the deal structured on, on paper. Um, and then, you know, we just let that, let the property appreciate rehab it. Um, or if it's the rehab cost, then I'll say, all right, well, wire the money to this account here. You know, after we go through and do all the formal um, JV paperwork or however we structure that deal <clears throat> to make sure that if this deal falls sideways or if I get hit by a truck tomorrow, they still have their money in this asset so they can sell it. And do, get you, their money back. do you actively seek out deals? To present to potential investors? Yes. Like, are you doing that on a daily? Where do you post that information? Um, I don't post it. Um, I, I don't like, I don't like asking for money, but the people that have came to me, I'll go to them and say, Hey, here's the deal. Would you, are you interested in it? Okay. But I've never gone on. I think Wait. I did one time, went on social media and one of the groups and said, hey, look, I got this deal. Does anybody want to partner on it? And that was only because it was a a, a really weird deal. Um, but I, I've never really done, like, soliciting. Um, when you solicit for certain types of deals with a certain amount of people, there are some laws that, that you got to abide by Okay. Um, for syndications. Uh, and I'm not in that on that level either, so... Like Grant Cardone, I'm coming for his ass, but I'm right. not there yet. Right, right. Um, but yeah, there's people like numbers. Roughly, how much money have you uh, facilitated into deals? 
like if you you know three point five. Oh no, no, I don't even know if it's a million. Six point. Um, less than a million we've put in from other folks. Um, you know we we haven't. We're looking at two years now. I think we've really been heavy into re- investing. Yeah. So. It's just, it hasn't, we'll use hard money loans, Mm -hmm. but then, um, you know, we've used for one K and we've used other people's 401ks. Yeah. I'm gonna bleep that out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it's, yeah, we haven't, the last, the biggest one that we were just working on was an auction and we didn't get the property. That would have been our biggest one. Man. But what was the, the deal? Um, it was actually for our contractor. She's in a weird position. Uh, and she needed to buy a house to, to live in. Okay. And she could not get a loan because of she hadn't been a citizen or whatever. For whatever reason, yeah, they, whatever. Yeah. they couldn't get a loan. Mm-hmm. And, um, so she came to us and said, would you help us? And I said, yeah, you know, uh, talk to the lenders. There was this one particular house she was in love with. And so we made offers on it, you know, an auction. And I went to, uh, a lender of, of ours and said, Hey, here's the deal. Um, we're going to buy this house. We need money to do so. And we're not going to rehab it. We're not going to do anything to it, but the contractor's going to live there and then in uh, eight months, we will refinance this house, get that lender out of it, and then I'll carry the mortgage, and then the contractor, our our friend, would pay me every month. And instead of a rental, it was going to be set up as a sale. Okay. They would just pay a mortgage payment to me. Yeah. And I would make, um, I don't even know, maybe 100 200 bucks a month or something like that on, on her um, but it's a couple cups of coffee. Yeah. And they, I mean, there was a, there was a significant down payment that they had to come up with right. to make sure that they can afford everything. And so they had a lot of, uh, you know, skin in the game. Yeah. But my contractor was like, you know, I normally don't, or not the lend, contract, the lender said, I normally don't do that kind of stuff, but, um, he trusted me and he trusted us and, uh, he was like, okay. And signed away, I think it was 225,000. Um, we didn't get it because of house prices nowadays. Right, so, right. um, but how are you, you know, speaking of that, how are you so comfortable just going and looking for deals when everything is disparaging to anybody who's looking to get a property, anybody who's looking to get anything that makes money, essentially. It's hard. Um, wholesalers, there are a few wholesalers that I deal with that are, that are regular that I can trust their numbers. Um, but I still do my due diligence on all on anything and everything. And how do you break down a deal? Do you use like a specific calculator? Is there something? Because you know, there's a bunch of things online online to look at a deal for a house, right? Oh, my mortgage should be this, or this will work out this way, or I'll profit this. How do you look at a deal? So if I if I look at a a, a house, um, if it's to flip, which I, I don't do a whole lot of flips. I try to buy them and keep them all. Um, but if it is a flip or, or either way, if it's a, a hold or not, um, 
the highest I will pay on that house is 70% of the market value because the bank is only going to give me 80% of the market value to buy it. Right. So um, that 10% delta there will be used for maybe paint or um, closing costs or lender fees. Um, but I start my number. If it's a hundred thousand dollars, I'm not going to pay any more than 70,000. Okay. And then I figure out how much repairs that it needs. So if it does need paint doors, windows, floor, I deduct that from that 70,000. Um, and then I make my offer that way. So, you know, a guy the other day was like, Oh, isn't it so risky? Yeah, but so is driving down the road. <laughs> um, and so, <clears throat> you know, if you buy something at $70,000, you're already got, or at 70%, you've already got 30% of equity in it. Equity is really useful. I mean, useless to people who know the game. Um, but the banks will give you up to 80% loan to close or loan to value. And so there's a 10% delta there that you can pay your lender for their fees. Um, and that's again, if you just start at 70%, uh, it's June towards the end of last year. I was like, I don't know what the market's going to do. So maybe we'll drop down to 60 to 65%. And then I was at work for three months, this first quarter. And, um, I was like focused in on fire department stuff. So I really didn't look at anything unless it was 50%. Um, so you know, I tried to stay at that 70% level to where we don't pay anything above 70%. We got an appraisal back last night while we were at dinner and it came back at almost a hundred percent value of what, or what we were paying was, a, was basically what the appraisal is. Wow. So that's not a deal for us right. anymore. Um, now I, I could go back and, and push against some of the stuff that they used and get another appraisal. And I'm not sure how I'm going to do that, but that's, or I'm not sure if I'm going to do that, because that property is cash flowing really well with a tenant that's been there for seven years. And it, it's a, it meets the 1% rule. It's better than 1% rule. Um, so, you know, the cash flow is good, but the value of the property is not good. But at the end of the day, if the tenant is paying the mortgage, I don't care, but uh, I'll, I'll still leave a lot of money in that deal for the next couple of years and I won't get my down payment back. So what, what I guess <clears throat> you're out getting these deals. Like you talked about Grant Cardone. Is that really the, the life? Is that a lifestyle thing that you're trying to achieve or is that the end goal for you? No, I mean, <clears throat> the lifestyle that I want is, I don't ever see me not working or not doing something. Um, now that I'm, I've got a, a, a my eye set on a date where I'm gonna separate from the fire department. Um, I will. I'm separating from them because I can have my time. My 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 most important thing to me is my time, right? And being able to dictate what I want to do with my time instead of what somebody else wants me to do with my time. And um, if I can do that, then I'll be happy. And I can, that means I can take a week or two weeks or a month off and go to, um, you know, Cancun or 
if I want to, you know, put my nose to the to the grinder and buy ten properties, I'm in the I'm in control of what I want to do then. Right. Um. So you know, I I don't think that I want a big thing like Grant Cardone or you know the bigger pockets guys. Um, you sure? No, <laughs> I'm not. I mean, because some days I'm. I'm like, you know, I, I, I don't want that. I just want enough to, to keep my, my lifestyle up. Right. And some days I'm like, there's so much opportunity out there. Why would I not? Um, you know, I, we have, uh, we have a business that we work with for our marketing or not our marketing, our, um, uh, yeah, it's marketing, trying to get people to buy Right. Or sell me their house. And the other day, I was like, look, I I think I'm going to cancel one of my VAs or my VA contract with them. Because I don't want to be this big, huge wheel that I have to pay attention to every day and every week. Right. Because then I'm, I've lost the, the reason why I'm going to leave the fire department. I'm going to have to leave one job to work at another. Um, right. You definitely don't want to be uh what a super boss or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. And so I typed up this email like, Hey, we're going to cancel this contract with this VA. She's done great. Done. Absolutely. Wonderful. It has nothing to do with her. Um, the market is really weird. You know, everything is expensive right now. Um, and I just want to cancel that for a couple months, focus on this next business I just started. And, um, uh, then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. You started another business? Yeah, we started a trash business, dumpsters. So, so what's the name of the real estate business? Uh, the name of the real estate business is, well, it's KMX okay. or Enterprises. Okay. okay. And under that, we have a house flipping business. Okay. We have rental properties. Okay. Um, and then we'll wholesale as we as we can. We don't want something. Okay. And is that in the DMV or where's that business really? Is that, that is in the Richmond metro area. Okay. Um, do you do deals in the middle of the country if possible or have you not got, have you? I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Uh, we own one in Maryland, um, but we've got it on contract to sell through another wholesaler friend of ours. Okay. Um, it, it intrigues me what these guys are doing where they're buying a house from Richmond and they're buying it in Detroit or Ohio or Florida uh, without seeing it. The one that I bought in Maryland was, was without seeing it after, um, you know, a couple shots of rum one night on Facebook. Um, and then I was like, well, it's so cheap. Might as well keep going. Um, but now that I can't sell it that easy, I'm finding out why it was only right. a couple thousand dollars on Facebook. sight unseen. <laughs> Right. Um, last question that I, I always ask, because we pretty much traveled through you being a popular guy in school. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, you know, doing for others instead of yourself. And now you're out here starting a whole nother business. Well, I have like three more questions because Ask you start another business. There's, there's something called single minded focus, right? And, um, you're a jack. You, you could do a bunch of things and multitask. 
most men, I, I don't know that. I don't know most men multitask, or at least I don't believe it, right? How are you, you know, you're two years into your real estate business. How are you so comfortable just starting a whole nother business, right? Don't you want to build? I mean, obviously, you're going to do these things long term. But you're talking about tying up your time. Mm-hmm. Running the business, it, it takes a lot of time to get that thing going. Yeah. So, you know, S&P, systems and processes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, traction, that's all you had up here? Yeah, traction's right here. Um, so, I will run a business. I will not let a business run me. Mm. So... When I partnered with a guy on this dumpster business, I said, I am only going to set this business up and get it operating. And then I am going to turn it over to somebody who can operate it efficiently. And then I will just check in with it and and manage it from like the 50,000 foot view, 100,000 foot view. I don't. I I told him up front, I'm not going to be going to the dump every every day. I'm not going to be dumping dumpsters or picking them up or dropping them off. Um, but that I am doing all of the back end work, which is I mean it's labor intensive, right? Right. Um, and I'm I'm going to do all of that and get it all set up. But there are certain things that have to happen to get there, and um, and then once we get there, I'm going to turn it over to somebody else and train them on all how everything works. Um, What that'll give me is gives me my time back and I'm going to start another one. Um, The house flipping side of our businesses. I, I go there. We've got one net finished uh, a couple of weeks ago and was on the market for maybe a week before it was rented. Um, I went there a couple of times and checked on it. Um, I went to, uh, the flip that we had, we sold, um, uh, early June, I think. I think I went to that property maybe eight or nine times. Mm. Um, so while it's, you know, you have to be involved in these things. Going there and checking on something doesn't take that long, right? Right. Keeping the finances straight—that's pretty good. We, I'm, I'm not a finance person. Christina's good at that, um, but you know who else is good? Our bookkeeper, and that's what we pay her for, right? So every month she sends us an email. I need all of the what? What was these? What? What were these costs for? And then what house do I tie them to? Christina does all that, <laughs> and. uh so, um, while like these things are, they're, they're labor intensive, um, to get up and running, but I've got properties that I haven't even been to in the last nine or 10 months. And I look at those as small businesses because we put in a lot of capital, we put in a lot of effort, to get them up and running and now they're paying their own bills and they're giving me money. Right. Um, so I I hired somebody to manage those. So while I'm at Cancun, I'm not getting phone calls that my toilet stopped up. Right? They are getting those. Right. Now, 
cost me a little bit of money, but if you're going to be in the business to free up your time and to manage your time, it's going to, that's not free. Um, so same with this next business is I will work hard to get everything up and running and I'll, I will go all in 100% all in. And then when, uh, when it's time to turn it over, mm-hmm. I'm like 10% in. Do you think there are any misconceptions about, uh, starting a business and just putting it on autopilot? Like, do you, do you believe that that is purely as simple as you're making it seem? Oh, hell no. <laughs> no. So there's a level of time invested into, although you may have the systems and, you know, uh, standard operating procedures, you may have those things in place. There's still a standard amount of time that, or a, a decent amount of time that goes into making that thing run. Yeah, nothing, right. nothing is free. I mean, unless you go, unless you go and you sell it and you keep royalties or something like that. But when you build something that big, like right. that's the effort that you got to put into it. But then you've lost everything else. You're just making some royalties, which are only a portion of what the guy who bought it is making now. Right. So, um, you know, I think that it's it's definitely not as easy as what it sounds, what it seems. Um, but it's, I I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's crazy. Like you think it's doable? Oh, hundred percent. Uh. I mean, you've talked about buying more businesses. Is there anything else that's next for you? <laughs> so we, my business partner stumbled up on a conversation the other day with somebody. And uh, he said, hey, this business is probably going to fail here soon. We should go buy it. Nice. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to give too much information on it, but um, I really want to wait. And let them fail more, and let us get a little more, a little more established with the business that we just started before we take over this other one. Um, but hopefully, timing works out. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's definitely one that's that is uh, it's there. We're starting to do some due diligence on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and if that one doesn't work out, we'll I'll start something else pass it off well kyle where can people reach you if they have some money that they are looking to put into a property and potentially work with you where what's a good email for you uh kyle at k-y-l-e at kmxhomebuyers.com okay and i just want to thank you for coming on the show uh i know you don't think your story is that provoking but um, just to go through what you've been through and to be doing what you're doing at the level that you're doing it, I think is absolutely amazing. And I appreciate you for Take it up. taking the time out your day. Thank you. Anytime. Yeah.